0: On the show of St. Louis In Tune, we're going to talk to Tim O'Sell. He's directing Suddenly Last Summer, the Tennessee Williams St. Louis production. We're going to talk about World Peace Day and something going on in Alabama with one of the mayors, the word of the day, and some humor. Greetings, listeners in Listenerland. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is going on regionally, nationally, and internationally. Mark oh. Langston? Mark Langston?
1: I'm glad we're sizing things up. We are. <laughs> we need to yeah. size it up. Length, height, and width. That's just width. Yeah, my width is getting a little out of hand. Uh, no comment. Uh, no, I haven't seen my feet in about five years. uh Oh, <laughs> I can't see my toes. Okay. You... uh Oh, <laughs> that's not a good. That's comment. all you're gonna say is only,
0: only in a mirror, maybe. Right. <laughs> okay.
1: Our... well, I, I stay away from mirrors. You got it. And reflections. You don't want to. I don't. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need them to comb my hair. I have a good face for radio. Yeah, me too. Okay. You you can can get that one. I need a mirror to comb my hair. Okay. I don't have any. You don't have it. I know. What are you talking about? Our return to civility, because
0: we always encourage everyone out there, especially our listeners, to return to civility. If you are house cleaning for someone, clean their house for them. Excuse me, not house cleaning. (laughs) Excuse me. If your house is sitting for wait, someone. Wait, should we
1: start this over again? Okay, if yeah, your okay.
0: house is sitting for someone, clean their house. Did I say house cleaning? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, I haven't had my lunch for the day. Yeah, my brain's true. a little shy of some sugar. Yeah. If your house is sitting for someone, clean their house for them. A, an hour's worth of vacuuming and dusting can make their return home a delightful experience, especially if they're tired. That is really true.
1: Come to my house anytime and clean it i'm okay only with if you. i'm house sitting okay well you can do that come uh, on over you see. know if you're
0: a house sitter for pets and mm-hmm. stuff uh-huh if you do little kind of chore stuff like some people may not like that like get my vacuum out and some people may right like, wow that's great yeah. and what it does is it really especially if you're coming home from a long trip it mm. does make it helpful oh yeah that's you know? nice it's that nice, is nice Yeah. You know? so unless they go through all your drawers no, no. Right. So if your house sitting for someone, clean their house for them. Okay? Boy, we're off to a good start. Wow. This, this is going to be a long show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Tim's going to love this. We have Tim O'Sell. He is a director of theater and opera and he is directing the production called Suddenly Last Summer. It's the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis, which is in the 8th annual season. And uh, Tim, welcome to St. Louis in tune. Thanks. Great to be here, and you, you already know that we're, we're a couple bricks shy of a full load.
1: We're, we're, we're hoping when we get done, you're still glad to have been here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gee, I'm glad I went on with those two jokers. I so, you know. So we can be serious. Uh, can I ask Tim something though? Sure. Before you, do you sing opera, Tim, yourself? I started out as an opera
2: singer in college. That's what I wanted to be. And really? I did a couple small things. Yeah. And then decided that I really don't like being in front of an audience at all. It does not do a thing for me, but I really like being on the other side of the table. Okay. So I like being from the back of the house, controlling the story that's on the stage, or at least shaping the story that's on the stage. Much prefer that than being
1: in the spotlight. Because opera singers fascinate me. It's just amazing how they sing uh, and what they do. No, yeah. And that's why yeah, I'm going. Really, wow, I wow are you singing? Can you do a couple of lines? Yeah,
2: <laughs> you have to have the gift. You know, the, that's a good way to put your, it. Yeah. Your vocal apparatus has to be in tune with that kind of production. Otherwise, it's just possible. Hmm. And you also have to have the high notes or the low notes or wherever you are. And and then the language skill. all those. They're yeah. still doing foreign language opera mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So opera theater doesn't, but but almost everybody else that used to do everything in English now back in Kansas City, they do foreign language
0: opera stuff so now and use with cert Wow. That's great. Yeah. It yeah. is to do it in the original language that yeah. it's written. But I, it, that's one it's thing I part. appreciate about opera theater St. Louis is you get it in English. Right. And because. Yeah. And you're so close to opera theater
2: too. Yes. I mean, it feels like. You're, you're in it the way you do when you want to play. So I love that. I've directed a couple of things, a couple of English version or English operas, operas in English, Dead Man Walking and Doubt, both the
1: Union Mm. Avenue opera. Mm -hmm. Oh, Dead Man Walking is one of my favorites, Dead Man Walking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Powerful. Mm -hmm. You've got a very powerful.
0: You've got a great pedigree. I'm looking at your resume here and your related experience and. you you have just a boatload of productions that you've done and I didn't know I'm glad Mark asked that question about you being a a singer but you've been a a stage manager and you've been production Mm -hmm. and you have a a complete understanding of what it takes to put on a production from the vantage point I'm looking at Uh, I certainly have a point of view
2: about and and uh, and some experience absolutely but Time change and you don't know, think you got to keep up with the times and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, I, experience is good. Getting old is not so good. No. Uh, the body keeping up with the amount of physical activity that goes into directing and production, depending on the theater. Uh, no. I, it's a balancing act, hmm. but yeah, I've done a lot and I like it. I love Shakespeare. Particular, yeah. You you did some Shakespeare in the Park here.
1: I was wondering
2: Henry, the Henry IV, Part One, Part Two mashup. I think that was in 2014. Mm -hmm. We did Henry IV, Parts One and Two, and Henry V in rep with the same cast that summer. Love that play, Henry IV, Part
0: One. My favorite Shakespeare play. Do you have hands down? Do you have a preference? Let me ask you this: It's not a preference. Differences in directing. Opera production versus theater productions.
2: Mm -hmm. The schedule is different. Mm -hmm. So there is a a little, it is different in how you have to organize yourself. Opera, you have to stage almost everything in advance and then tell the singers what you want and and then change it from there. With a theater production, especially with a small cast or if you're doing one-on-one scenes, and, uh, suddenly last summer, I only had seven people in it. And there's a lot of one-on-one. So, uh, like this morning, I was doing my homework on scenes two and three, and I have staging for them, but if I go into the rehearsal hall and the actors don't want me to give them staging that they want to create it themselves or they want to explore it first and then have me shape what they do, i the outline in my grip that I can always go back to, but I'd like the actors to be as creative as possible. It's harder for opera singers because they're not, one, they have to stay on the beat, they're, they're the way they say lines, opera singers, it's giving to them. So that's one thing. And they also have to watch the conductor at the whole time, so it's harder for them to make up staging as they sing. Hmm. Sometimes with opera, I would have them walk and talk if I wanted them to actually make up something. So it's like, okay, well, let's not sing it. Let's just talk the pain and see whether you have an impulse. And that's what I'm interested in with actors. I love being in the rehearsal hall with actors because they have these impulses that that come out of, Hmm. out of their bones or their souls or something that I never anticipated. Hmm. I I only see the play from my point of view or when I'm reading it or working on it. So when you get the group of actors together, Oh, okay. I didn't, never thought of that before. Or, oh, that's surprising. Or, oh, no, that's way over. That's way over in left field. Come back. Come back and, and let's thunder let up in the story. Well, I think, so it's the real collaboration.
0: Yeah, I was going to use that word because that's, I think, a big one of your style is that you, you yeah. let actors you do their thing unless, like you mentioned, they've gone off into left field and maybe have, have left really what the in, intention from the author is. Absolutely. I love
2: to collaborate. I I love it. And you not only have to collaborate with the actors, you have to collaborate with the designers. You actually even have to collaborate with the stage, not just the set, but the actual theater. If you're working in thrust, I work up at American Players Theater a lot. And the outdoor theater, the thrust of it, it's very strange because you got people wrapped around. There's almost a thousand people. You have these aisles coming down. The sight lines are odd. So you have to work to make the play accessible to everyone in the Mm. theater as much as possible. I'm very democratic about that. Working at the Loretto Hilton, trying to work those side sections, both for the opera company and I've directed stuff for Webster University on that stage. And it's tricky. Thrust is very tricky. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And I love to collaborate. I Really do. I think the director's job is to enable. All I have is rehearsals, but what I have to do is enable a group of people to work together, to tell
0: the clearest and the best story that they possibly can.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: And that's really refreshing because sometimes uh, I think people maybe have the idea of a director as it's top down. (laughs) I'm telling you what to do. You're going to do everything I tell you to do. And if you don't like it, hit the road. This is great insight. Yeah, yeah. it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm
2: not, I don't really like doing that. I'm not that kind of leader or I'd rather i have a sound designer friend that says, I like to hold hands and walk down the yellow brick road with people. Mm -hmm. I do like to go off to see the wizard with everyone together. And also I, that actors who find it or actors who are in collaboration with you, they actually embody better than if you tell them, oh no, this is what you're feeling here.
0: Oh, is that well, something you...
2: them? Yep. Go ahead. So. Well, I was just going to say, it's just better for them to find it and find it in their bone, mm-hmm. and then it feels more authentic to them. They just get to the authenticity of their bone faster and more firmly that way.
0: That makes perfect sense, and it also appreciates their talent and their hmm. creative process in the course of that. Yeah. Was that always something that you had when you were up at Minnesota and working on your degree, or was that something that was developed through as you as you were working in opera companies and production well, and doing those things? I would say I learned it in college.
2: I think that my college directing teacher up at University of Minnesota, Duluth encouraged uh to find it with the actor, not tell them too much too tuned, let language. And impulse and motivation um, guide for a while, and of course it depends on how much rehearsal time you have. That's another difference between theater and and uh, operas. Opera generally never has a lot of rehearsal time. Theater company, it depends on the company, but usually you'll have more rehearsal time or more rehearsal time during a day rather than nine days of rehearsal for an opera or a two weeks or whatever, there, there can be three and a half weeks or more. The last production I did our town up at American players, we, I was up there for nine weeks now I was in ref with four other players in rehearsal. So I didn't always have my cast available to me, so let's hurry up and wait a lot. But I had almost 200 hours of rehearsal. Wow. And we finally got through it. I know that's a lot. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. Yeah, Yeah. A lot of rehearsal. Um, it's a three-act play. Mm-hmm. And suddenly last summer is a 90-minute play. We did. We just started on Tuesday. We had our first read-through read it 90 minutes. I think it's going to come in around then as well. There were parts that were a little slow, and there was a part where, oh, we didn't do the physical action where there's no dialogue, but I think it's going to be between 90 and 95 minutes.
1: I don't think I've ever gone to a three-act play. Honestly, no, no, I don't think I, I've been to quite a they few all plays.
2: Death of a Salesman, Streetcar Named Desire, oh, wow. all of those, they're all three-act plays. I'll be, okay. Well, isn't it until we got to like the 60s and uh-huh. the 70s that we started going with two-acting, and then now it's like everybody's writing long one-act. And this was a one-act because it was on its double bill with another play called Something Unspoken, right. and, and it was under the title of Garden District, right. which is the, one of the wealthy sections in uh, New Orleans. In New Orleans. And so the opening one act was about 30 minutes long, maybe 25, 30 minute long, two-hander. And those two actors, two women, those two women were also in suddenly last summer. Hmm. So they opened with a curtain range of 30 minutes, took the intermission, and then did the play. But I had on the Hudson Rufus, play play, to Triact, Tennis Williams,
0: at least those, those 50 plays for Triac. So w- was that one yeah. kind of a setup for...
2: In the sense of, um, I would say in terms of tone, but also in terms of sexuality. So the two women, there's this older rich woman, which is kind of like Violet Venable in the mm-hmm. last summer, and then there's her companion. And, and in Suddenly Last Summer, Violet also has a companion, Misfacto, but the Misfacto role is very small, but there's something unspoken, seems to be about some kind of relationship possibility that could happen, or that could have happened between them, but they got, it got too late for them because they're, now they're both older, Hmm. that And I know Carrie's doing something on book, and I think they did the radio play version of it, but she's yeah. doing it live in connection as part of the festival. And so that kind of exploration of a lesbian relationship gets hopped over into suddenly last summer in terms of the Sebastian Venable character being homosexual. Mm-hmm. You don't see that character at all because he demise, he's dead before the play starts. And Tennessee did that a lot. Mm. So there's many in, in Kadal uh, that are homosexual men that are dead before the play begins. And yeah, Kadal that's the main one. Gipper and is Brick really a latent homosexual? Mm. And did he cause? And then Blanche Dubois' dead husband who commits suicide in in Striking Desire. There's this book called. The celluloid closet, Vito Rousseau, who did the and I think there's actually a documentary too where he talked about gay men and women in film up to a certain point and that basically those characters either ended up being murdered or committing suicide mm-hmm. for a long time, or they were in the closet, the Eric Blore and the Pangborn characters from those credit dare movies, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties where they played the hotel manager or the waiter or something. And you could tell they were gay and they were mm-hmm. fun and gay and all that stuff. They were basically clock The characters that actually had sexuality generally ended up dead. And suddenly last summer, that happens as well. And that's not a spoiler. We know, that, we know that Sebastian died at the beginning of play. Mm-hmm. Um, the play. And Tennis Williams, of course, was also homosexual in dealing with trying to come out of the closet, trying to be a gay man in the world. And it came out in his writing. Kennedy is Blanche Dubois in Streetcar Name Desire. Kennedy is other female characters in his play. And then we have it. and his family, his mother, Edwina, and his sister Rose, who actually had a lobotomy, those are the mother and the sister in the Glass Menagerie. The trio of Catherine, George, and Mrs. Holly are a nearer version of that family. So that's interesting. Catherine in our story and suddenly last summer could potentially have a lobotomy. So that's where the tension comes. This play is very Southern Gothic. It's sexy. It's really sweaty. It's really sexy. It's passionate. And I'm starting to think that it's a murder mystery. It's a murder. If you like a good murder mystery and trial, that's actually what this play did. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like all of the suspects in it then come together. It's really about Catherine. If 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 Violet is the prosecutor and Catherine is the defendant, then Doctor the Doctor is the judge. Is Catherine going to have a lobotomy or is she? Or is she, is she, faint or is she not faint? Yeah. It's really interesting. And then money and power. Violet, of course, is it it's okay that I give spoilers? But I yes. So, I love spoilers. You know, Come on. Okay, great. <laughs> there you go. So, up now.
1: <laughs> Violet's going
2: to give money to the doctor and build a whole new wing for the lobotomy for lobotomy. He, he lobotomizes her knee. Uh. Because she wants your niece to shut up about how wow. about her son. Right. Sure. So there's the bribe, pension. is he gonna give in to that? And then she bribed the mother and the brother with fifty thousand dollars each hmm. if they sign off on it. Okay, this is nineteen thirty-five. Historically lobotomies came to the country to they started in I think thirty four, thirty five, thirty okay. five and then came to the US in thirty six, thirty seven. Hmm. And so it's a really new procedure in, uh, in this time, in the mid thirties. It's a weird procedure. Yeah, it, it
1: it twisted.
2: Yes. It's also Greek. It's very Greek. The end of the play is very, the Bacchae Uh and so there's a lot of references to other literary work in the play subliminally.
1: Can I just say, I'm enjoying listening to your descriptions. Through the lens of a director, could we have absolutely? We have a lot of actors on, and we we talk to them. But seeing this through your lens, you're—it uh, seems like you're a younger director, and uh, just love what you're doing. So I'm I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> uh, thank you. I love the play. Yeah. I really, really do love the play. Uh, the
2: terrific play. Yeah. And the, and I've said the language work in the play Tennessee Williams 1958 was, uh, when it was in was New the poetic prose. Uh-huh. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. I yeah, like. it's as good as Streetcar. It's as good as He Was a Boy, Just a Boy, Blanche's mm-hmm. speech about her husband. It's amazing. I think i say in the director notes in the program that Kennedy's language is as good, and it does what great music does. It speaks the unspeakable, or cracks open a new part of the soul,
1: mm-hmm. that just the way language is used hmm I enjoy that. And about people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoy when they use the language of the time, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. Yeah. I think Yeah. really uh, sometimes, yeah, it just adds to it for me.
0: This is yeah. Arnold Stricker with Mark yeah. Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Tim O'Sell. He is directing the Suddenly Last Summer play for the Tennessee Williams Festival, St. Louis. And just to give you a little bit about Tim... He was the outstanding director of a drama, A Streetcar Named Desire, at the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis in 2019, and received that from the St. Louis Area Critics Award. It was the St. Louis Theater Circle Awards. And you've gotten numerous awards. And like I said, your pedigree is crazy. I, I couldn't believe the number of plays that you have done in the in numerous states, variety of theaters, and really in theater and in opera. And you've really honed your craft and know what you're looking for. And with a collaborative relationship, I would imagine that your talent is pretty much in demand. Hmm. I I work. I've worked a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting old. So I'm
2: slowing down a little bit. I like being, I'm a homebody. I like being home. Being on the road now is harder. I get that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. But it certainly still love being in the rehearsal hall with the actors and with the play. Now, examining a play with really good actors, it's mind blowing. It's a drug. I get to sit in the rehearsal hall and I get to cry and I get to laugh and I get to, my brain is going a hundred miles an hour and basically all I do is think. I get to think. I think that's how director's main job is to think you sit there and when the actors, when something lies, it's like, you just raise your hand and you go, wait, what, we got off track or what just happened? or make, can we make it clearer? Mm. So that's really what it is. Like, I'm just an, I'm just an, in a sense, an educated audience member who want to always be in the play. Mm. So that's what rehearsals are, is trying to keep the actors always engaging me in the play every I, word I, every moment i have to be
1: leaning forward into the play i love it i, I would think you're an, you're a unique director i would I, I, I agree with that i, I can see directors spanning no we want to do it this way i want you to try to come in this way and do it this way you know a little more it sounds to me like you let it happen it's or more organic, organic uh, yeah. yeah i hate to really use a word like that but organic and uh, if if, sure. if I was an actor, I would appreciate that a lot more than being...
2: Well, and a lot of actors, they come in and they're clean plates, and I actually don't like that. I like actors to make choices. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's an actor's job is come in and make a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why you hire them. Put their work. talent to work. Now,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they want to work. But you can also suggest, you can also say, well, what if you did it? rather? Let's oh, do, yeah. Let's do the 180 version of that, what you just did. And don't come on strong, but come on in hiding or something. It, 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 there's so many ways to play a moment. Let's explore those and let we can even, I even, I'll, I'm very good at saying I was wrong. I asked you to do something or whatever and I was wrong. I'm also really good at saying I don't know. Yeah. At this point, I don't know. We have a bunch of different choices. Let's put let it overnight or let's let it sit for a couple of days and see where we are next time we go through it. Wow. And I actually trust actors that, especially when you get the whole play behind you, mm-hmm. it's one thing to rehearse out of order, out or of sequencers, but once you get the whole play running, the actors are going to, it's going it's to come from different places. They're going to discover that. I'm not. I'm going to view it, mm-hmm.
0: but they're the ones who are going to discover it. And again, good actors, man, they blow me away. Mm-hmm. I want to explore that a little bit more. We're going to have to take a quick break, Tim, if you can hang sure. on with us. We'll be right back for our next segment. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The Fourteenth Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to DredScottLives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St.
1: Louis In Tune. At St. Louis In Tune, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories, as well as interviews about current and historic issues, and events that involve people, places, and things. We cover a wide range of topics, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis Intune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect to what's going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis Intune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find the show notes and everything that was mentioned in that episode and all the other great episodes as well. And if you've got an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, well, just let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune. It's heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com. And many great radio stations around the U.S. and of course right here in St. Louis. Our website again is stlintune.com. Visit us today. That's stlintune.com. Uh-huh. Tim's doing the happy dance here, right? Yeah, now. absolutely. Welcome
0: back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We are talking to Tim O'Sell. We're having a great conversation with him. He's directing Suddenly Last Summer, production going to be happening at the Tennessee Williams Festival, St. Louis. He's a director of theater and opera, has been an adjunct faculty at Webster University, also St. Louis University and Washington University, and was up at the University of Kansas and all over the place. He's I'm,
1: everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. I
0: <laughs> know. <laughs> that's, that's an inside joke. That's Chicken Man. Chicken Man, right? He's everywhere. He's you anywhere.
1: familiar with Chicken Man? I've heard of him. You should. They uh, talk about, I'm telling you what, the productions are great. It was done in the 60s and uh, just the way it's the old fashioned radio kind of stuff. Well, here's Chicken Man. Will he? did their sound. own sound effects. I they think there it. was just two or three actors. Yeah, I, yeah. and they just do it, yeah. They, it was truly a, a production, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, Tim. Wrong button there. Yep. Up. So
0: when you are going through rehearsals, and I really appreciate what you're saying, because I think there's a stereotype, in maybe marks in my brain, just maybe because of our age and what we've seen directors do and how they act, in some kind of production, and maybe it's in, in movies or things that we've seen yeah, of how right. they're portrayed. But we've talked to other directors, and I always ask this question, do you watch the performance when they perform? And one said, I'm there for like the first night, and then I'm gone. And what do like, you do? I'm there for the first night, and it depends
2: on if I an out-of-town thing and I'm going home, like I'm in Indianapolis, and after opening night, I come back. I want to go home. Especially if I'm there for five weeks or so. I just not want to come home. Sometimes I'll get back. It depends on if I'm going on to a new job. Sometimes I've done three in a row where like, you open one and then you start another play the next week and then you open it and you start another play and you have to get to where you're going. And it's tiring to do that, but you can't get back. The Our Town, I just, directed open on july 2nd now this is happening and then i'm going to try to get back i have to go back i'm directing king lear next summer up at american players and i've auditioned but not until the last week of october and up by then our town will be closed it will just close so i can't see it again but now i anytime i want to watch the show i can email the stage manager and say hey send me the link for the booth camera mm-hmm. oh nice and i can watch it in a sense from the booth mm-hmm. and the mic the stage mic not the actors are mic but the monitors are mic for the booth and for the dressing room. i can listen to the show through that and i can watch it from the booth and i have to say that technology is incredible because i can rehearse a, a scene or an act run an act on the set or in the theater or even in the rehearsal hall and the designers, we can film it and just send it to the designers so that they have a sense of what's happening with the actors or how long a music cue might be or any of that stuff. Pretty amazing. Wow. I generally will go back once if it's something in town. Mm-hmm. But okay. I, it's not like I would go every night. I've seen it 8,000 times. I've seen it more than the actors. <laughs> yeah. I, have to be, I have to be at every rehearsal. The actors yeah. don't. True. That's a
1: good point. <laughs>
2: yeah. I yeah. 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 See
1: where little time. And with
2: opera, when you're rehearsing 10 to 10 oh, with opera, no. like, okay, so they're going 10 to one, two to five, seven to 10, right? The piano's going the whole time. Oh, right. People are, you're in this room. Right. And right, right. right. And singing.
1: Like, well, oh, I got good. it. It's like a break. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I, even <laughs> like this song. <laughs>
0: right. How about something happened? I, I was that's, like, that's, why
1: did they write that aria so long? I they do this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right.
0: So when you're doing opera and <laughs> it, you're having to collaborate with the conductor also a little yeah, bit in yeah. some of this, how does that work back and forth? It can work badly or it can work really well. It depends on
2: um how ego turns maybe not the right word, but oh, that's I a great think, word. I think that's uh, good. They got to check that well, at yeah. the door. Come on. Yeah. Right yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on... And the, op- the singers as well. A lot of the singers have done the role more than once uh-huh. before. Before they get to you, the conductors as well. They've conducted it in many places. They have an idea of how it should go. But the problem with that is that they're not in the moment of my rehearsal and or our rehearsal in our room, and that there might be a new idea or a better idea. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the conductor, it's a hard job. They not only have to keep the singers together, they have to keep the band together, the pit. Down there, and they have to collaborate. They have to collaborate that way, so they're holding the forces together. Not an easy thing to do. But if you have a conductor who's interested in the theater of it, then that's an easier personality to actually collaborate with, and you can actually have a conversation about well, what is the story here? There are some conductors though that go, no, that I don't. No, the music says it's there uh, hmm. rather than the story says it's there. Uh, so that's, that gets tricky. It like does. really tricky depending it's if the good singer, yeah. yeah, the singer can't act that or they can't, I want to make the singer or the character, I want to make the singer, enable the singer to be, to give the strongest performance and most authentic performance that they can. And if they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole given whatever the tempo is, and tempo is the biggest, that's the biggest bugaboo when it comes to conductor. Well, the singer's out of breath; they can't do it that slow, or it's too fast. They can't sing the chorus that fast. Or, okay, so if it's going to be that slow, then what does that say about the character? If it's going to be that fast, what does it say about the character? And also, if the, if everybody has to have their eyes on the conductor the whole time, well, they can't act, so. It, that gets tricky. Yeah, that makes In sense. In some places like opera theater or an opera theater is actually the exception because it's a thrust. So you don't always have fingers facing forward to watch the conductor. Mm-hmm. Now there's monitors over the tube auditorium, So the fingers facing to the side, let's say, they can see out that uh, monitor over the corner of their eye, the video monitor of the conductor. And actually throughout and the opera theater configuration in the Loretto Hilton, it feels more like naturalistic acting because the singers can actually face each other when they're singing to each other or talking or whatever. You can actually, it feels more real than the Metropolitan where everybody has to face, face forward. Mm-hmm. 4,000 feet. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of like the Muni. There's some things that I think work really well at the Muni, like 42nd Street. Because it's a presentational thing. Mm-hmm. Not that those actors have to do that because they're on body mic. But that Dory is very presentational. Where something <laughs> like, let's say, Ren is not as presentational. Or that might be a bad example because there is some that does feel forward in Ren. But maybe let's say Dory, it's like, well, you really do want characters
0: to uh, interact with each other. Yeah, tricky. It is tricky. And, yeah. and as you were talking about that, I was thinking how much more valuable your experience is as an opera director going into the theater and as a theater director going into the opera and having done both. It makes your directing much more dynamic and under, you, you really understand what you were talking about the setting, the theater itself. You understand a whole variety of things that maybe somebody who's just doing theater directing or just directing opera would miss. And I can understand now why you have done as much as you've done and have had the success that you've had and compliments to you on that. That's You're wearing several hats and it's shown in, in the awards and the amount of things that you've done. So that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. No matter what,
2: No matter what the medium, I always try to tell a clear story. That, and I want it to be engaging for an audience. And because that's what I want when I buy a ticket and go to the theater, I want to understand the story, and I want I want to be engaged fully. That's why we pay. That's why we pay the big bucks
1: go to theater. I couldn't agree more. I'd love to. Yeah, Yeah. I hate it when I don't understand what's going on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, me too. Wait, what did they just...
1: I know, why yeah. Did
2: they, why did the thing they just did contradict the thing that they did... Right. You ...now, 10 minutes ago?
1: That's why I like it, it when you do the spoiler alerts. <laughs> <So I didn't, laughs> At least I have an idea what's going <laughs> on. I don't miss anything. <laughs> but yeah, I really like knowing what's going on, yeah. yeah. Well, well,
2: I got it. Uh, let me last number. The plot is very... Mm-hmm. It, it, you understand it. And it's a very... Tennessee Williams, really talky like Shakespeare, although Mm -hmm. Shakespeare's got those nice battle scenes, but very talky. Mm -hmm.
0: There's some Uh, long individual sessions
2: there. Oh yeah. When I go into a Tennessee Williams rehearsal hall, it's like, I'm freaking out because like, this is a lot of text and and they just sit around. Well, how do we make this active? Okay. Let's do that. But it's talky. Beautiful. Yeah, it is talky. Yeah. Actually
1: good
2: point. Yeah. And yeah, and the characters are creepy and pervert, but wonderful and mm-hmm. great. So they're, it's their personalities, the it's a big inside with Tennessee Williams. Got a big old soul inside mm. with those characters. That's where all the movement is. to. So you're watching these personalities. Are they going to fall apart or not fall apart? Right. Are they going to freak out or not freak out? Are they going to, are they going to love or not love? What's happening?
1: This is interesting. It, it is very interesting. Coming yeah. from his. Uh, yeah. From his perspective. Yeah. Tennessee Williams too. Yeah. Wow! Yeah,
0: Yeah. Tim, thanks very much. We've been talking to Tim O'Sell. He's directing Suddenly last summer for the Tennessee Williams Festival, St. Louis, and folks, you can see that it's September 7th through the 17th. It's going to be at the Catherine Burgess Theater at Coca. That's the Center of Creative Arts. September 7th through the 17th. Tim, this has been a wonderful time Uh, together, and I appreciate you taking time. Yeah, Yeah, I know.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Got a little overtime here with you, but thank you. Yeah,
2: I love it. Yeah. Thanks, you guys you all come back thank again. you sir
1: okay all right okay right. all right select Bye. him all right there we go
0: that that's an unbelievable kind of understanding that like i said we we've got this you and i probably have this stereotype of what this didn't sit in the director chair no i don't right. want that right. Right. what do you over there what's Fossy. the matter with you yeah yeah bossy pants and for him <laughs> to have to have that opera background hmm. And then to go into the theater, and then the theater to have, to go into the opera background just seems to make such a strong directing understanding. Mm-hmm. He has done over, he's managed over 75 productions. That's amazing.
1: He's made a living out of
0: it. Yeah, including the Idaho Shakespeare Festival, Opera Theater St. Louis, which he mentioned, Central City Opera, Michigan Opera Theater, Tulsa opera omaha huh. summer opera theater company of washington dc I bet. he was the associate artistic director of the sacramento theater company he also let's see here was working at the baltimore opera company and the peabody conservatory of music huh. he's done other presentations for the tennessee williams festival st louis streetcar named desire which we mentioned night of the iguana which mark you and i saw night of the iguana And Metro Theater Company, he's done Shakespeare Festival, King Henry IV, like he mentioned, and the New Jewish Theater. He's done that. And, uh, wow, Lyric Opera of Kansas City, Opera Pacific, Tulsa Opera, Union Opera, Avenue Opera, Des Moines Metro Opera, Michigan Opera Theater. It goes on and on. I said his pedigree was really long. I wasn't kidding. Not at all. That's a heck of a list. And he's done some adjunct work at Webster U, St. Louis U, and uh, University of Kansas.
1: Which is and, neat. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask him and I didn't want to hold his time because his time's valuable. But that's also, it's good when you're a practitioner and you go to teach, you can, you're there with the latest stuff. Mm-hmm. And this isn't bashing people who just teach, but. It gives you, you've got a foot in the real world and a foot in, in the theoretical world. The
1: practical and the theoretical. Wow. That's, so uh, that's tough. I can see with his resume why he's uh, enjoying being at home more. Oh, yeah. Or wanting to be at home anyway. Yeah. yeah. And and be, he's out on the road for a long time. And, yeah. Doing Direc- that, directing and yeah. getting everybody ready. And Yeah. I don't know how he can, I don't know how the directors walk away from it, though. You brought it up. You've been there. <laughs> yeah, it's like your baby as it's growing up, and now it's okay. Yeah, you're you guys are on your now, own. You're on I'll your see own. you. Yeah, yep. yep, yeah. I went to opening night, and I'm done. Just don't trash the name. I wow. <laughs> That's
0: uh, so yeah. Tennessee Williams Festival. We've had carry on, yeah, like five or six or seven times, yeah, and Carrie does a great job with the festival. Again, they have some awards that they have received. And it's just a great thing that she has put together for the area. They've had other things. And I would encourage you to go to uh, twstl.org, twstl.org, and get more information about the festival. Some of the things, it's actually, she's converted it this year and made it an all year kind of thing. In other words, they started back, I think in April and May, and they were doing some things within the community. They do some things so one of these plays is going to be in U-City. The one, the other one that he mentioned, Something Unspoken, I think is going to be at the mayor's house or something like that. So it's there's just a lot of things going on. Remember uh, when we saw the play, uh-huh. it was at the back of where he, yeah. act, Tennessee Williams actually lived right. in that building. The so, apartment building. Yeah. She's doing some very creative kinds of things, and, and kudos to her for what she's doing. So if you get a chance, check it out, folks check it out check it out so i wanted to mention world peace day is coming up and there's going to be a world peace concert in webster groves on saturday september the 2nd 6 p.m to 9 p.m and that's at the webster gardens webster groves garden cafe there are some performers already on the docket and that's right down the street from uh, city hall right down
1: the street from city hall just east of City Hall on the north side there, so. Kind of catty corner from Dewey's Pizza. Correct, correct. And the Dewey's Pizza folks, they own, isn't that the Dewey's that own the Cardinals, I think? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Dewey's? Is yeah. there a Dewey that owns the Cardinals? Uh, well, it's uh, related or some type, top, okay. some type of connection with the. Oh, I didn't know that. With the Cardinals, the no. DeWitt's. Oh, okay. The DeWitt's. going to be a D to be there? I something? don't know what it is, but no it's a cardinal ownership uh, thing about interesting yeah I, that's yeah. just I don't know why but Dewey's right there it's catty corner yep. it's a cute little uh, should I say bar is it a bar I mean, yeah, it's kind of a bar restaurant pizzeria bar pizzeria place yeah kind of a yeah. fun place yeah that, the garden
0: cafe is really nice too you yeah that's what, nice I mean. that's what I mean yeah. that's what I'm talking about yeah it's uh, you get some coffee there they have some pastry kinds of goods you can sit outside they right. even have sandwiches and uh, this right? nice little place. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah. yeah, seen it. I'm gonna go. Yeah, it's. I think it was an old gas station back in. Yes, the day. that's what it looks like back good, in the day. Good
1: way to. Mm-hmm. And those are actually fun it. to be. Yeah, yeah, to be in like that. Oh yeah, yeah. they have got all the brown can- contamination <laughs> from the lips. No, Why does that coffee <laughs> taste so good? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really lubed up well. It's the old lift. It's where we get our water. It's, from.
0: A, it's a real French press. Right. Where do we go? Why do we go there? I don't know what happened here. What's happened? Well, I'm going to be serious here because okay. a black right. man was elected mayor in rural Alabama, but the white town leaders won't let him serve. Oh, come on. And, and this is, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, it's, it's crazy. 2023. This is New Bern, Alabama. Wait, New- wait, this just happened? This, it's been going on for three years now. Three years, but still, come yeah, on. He filed lawsuit, a federal lawsuit. I kinda, hope. I yeah, <laughs> guess that completion <laughs> to this. So this is in New Bern, Alabama. And New Bern, Alabama is about, if you're thinking about the state of Alabama, it's about halfway down on the western side. And it's in an area that is called the Black Belt. And it's the Black Belt called because, not because of Kung Fu, or Karate, uh-huh. or anything like that, but because it has really fertile soil. Uh-huh. And because it just the soil grows. Everything. Everything. And the community in the 2020 census, and there's conflicting reports in the media versus what the census reports. Okay, so in the 2020 census, there was 133 people there. Now, media reports are saying this community has 275. Now, whether they're counting outside of the quote-unquote city limits or not, they could be doing that. So uh, anyway, and I've seen the difference between the town is 63% black versus 85%. Okay. So I'm taking census figures. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when I read an article they may be a little bit different, but anyway, Patrick Brant's Braxton was, he's fed up and he filed a federal lawsuit because two years ago or several years ago, he, let me back up. It just seemed like the mayor thing was. Passed down, my words, from Bubba to Bubba. Uh-huh. And it was a family kind of deal. Oh, no, you know? that, that and there you go, okay? You're going yeah, to be yeah, the mayor now yeah, for the yeah, next 30 yeah. years. We'll make sure that happens. And he submitted all of the proper paperwork and everything. And he won the mayor race. None of the current, quote unquote, old mayor, who he didn't submit anything, my understanding. So there was no incumbent. Yeah, well the incumbent Haywood Woody Stokes the Third, along with his council members, after they found out that Braxton really won the race, what they did is they held a they, oh, they held a, a, a quasi election and reappointed themselves in this election that wasn't broadcast. In other words, they didn't announce this there was going to be an election. And so They locked him out of the Uh, city hall. He's like on the volunteer fire department. And there was a fire and they wouldn't let him in to get the truck. And some Uh, gal was having a heart attack. He went to the firehouse to get the defibrillator. He couldn't get the defibrillator. He went back to his house to get it. And one time he got back, the gal had died. uh, So it's like, this is like a hot mess. uh, And they're claiming sovereign immunity Because of qualified immunity, excuse me, because they're a local official. But it's just... Wrong? Yeah, it's really wrong. It tells you, you when people talk, have we come a long
1: way? Are we out of this thing? No. That's why I was so amazed when you're saying, no, this just happened like a couple of years ago. Yeah. How? Yeah. Why?
0: Are things better? Yes. Things are much, much better. Good. Is there still ways to go? Yes, as you evidenced here. And I looked up, I thought this was interesting too, because as I was reading that, I was like, I remember some of these Southern flags, the state Mm -hmm. flags, they actually mimic the old stars and bars. Mm -hmm. And even today, now Mississippi really had a problem with this and they had the stars and bars on their flag. So did Georgia, so did South Carolina. And here are the states that still have I would say a a visual representation of part of the stars and bars. Now it could be just like a cross because mm. the, or the stars okay. or just the, how it's arranged All right. Alabama, no surprise there. yeah Arkansas. Mm. Florida, Florida has the, the interesting okay. Georgia yeah. North Carolina, ok. and Tennessee. Yeah, Mississippi and South Carolina cleaned Tennessee, up there. Tennessee, yeah, act. that's right. Tennessee. Yeah. So I I'm saying that because it's like what in the world? What in the world?
1: I I, I gosh, I don't know where it is. It's start. like putting
0: all these Confederate monuments up. Look, y'all lost. I know. That's the y'all point. Lost. That's
1: the point right there. All
0: y'all lost. Y'all yeah. You lost. And and Southerners understand all y'all. That's yeah. the plural of y'all.
1: Yeah. They it
0: was And it's not it's, let's it, Why can't we be friends, okay? We don't see statues of Hitler in Germany right no, now. No. Uh-uh. It's, I'm just saying. No. There's, there's, You're Come on, right. people. You lost that war. Come on. Or I'm going to quote our
1: president. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. What's wrong with you, dude? I do see when I drive through uh, mid-Missouri, I see yep. con- Confederate Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fly up north northern missouri like
0: little dixie up there i don't understand anymore why there. That, i don't either i don't. heritage i understand okay you came from the south you had this that's heritage okay yeah and you should be proud of that right now i don't see anybody coming from germany saying mm. yeah i'm related to
1: somebody somebody who did this in the ss in fact, you want to you want to distance yourself from that. In fact, a lot of the German population apo- still apologizing absolutely. for the Nazis, absolutely for the Nazis and what they did to the world. Then you
0: got your whack jobs, and I am saying it, yeah, who want to be the neo Nazis? Yeah, like, seriously, have you read history? What history did you read? Yeah, yeah. Let's
1: okay, move on
0: with. Yeah, I am gonna I am gonna move on to our word of the day. Oh no, deltiology. <laughs> Deltiology. It's the study or collecting of postcards. Deltiology? Deltiology is the study of collecting postcards. It comes from the Greek Deltian. It means divine providence. No, that's something else. Sorry, Go about
1: ahead. that. Deltiology. How about that, folks? Now, are these postcards you sell, send to yourself? from, a... Or maybe you collect postcards. Okay. Because
0: I do have, let me find it here. Here it is. Here's an example. Floyd Jordan is one of those people who would never confuse Deltaology with scrutinizing college Greek week or studying deposits at the mouth of a river.
1: Whatever is that. What are you I, Did you proofread this before you did that, that's ridiculous? <laughs> this made it th- postcards
0: like at antique stores. Uh-huh. People collect those? I do. They're a I do. Delteology, it's yeah, you
1: know, collecting postcards. I collect for studying, them. but sometimes I don't collect like a specific like a bunch of trinket things. I, I just collect stuff. Yeah. I
0: I don't think people send postcards anymore. They just take a picture and text it or oh yeah, you know,
1: put it on Instagram. Right. There's or no such thing. Twitter or whatever. Oh, excuse right. me, X or whatever. it right. is now, yeah, right, but it, yeah, that's a whole other show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I just collect stuff drives my wife nuts maria you're, <laughs> you're a stuff collector i know you, why do you keep bringing stuff home well I, I showed her this one thing i said honey what is this something i found at a, a, a thrift store." and she couldn't she it was metal it had two holes in it two how do i say long holes long holes in them and uh And it had a cord coming out of it that you plug into the cigarette lighter, I guess that's what you call it, or the Uh power outlet in a car. And I said, honey, what is this? She's like, I don't know, but get it out of the house. It's rusting. And I said, no, it's a hot dog cooker for your car. Seriously? Yes. Wow. So that's those kind of things you want to collect. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I wonder what that's called. Hoarding? (laughs) <laughs> if I think it's called hoarding. Oh. So, so that's my darker side. Down. <laughs> uh-huh. that. <laughs> that's the side that
0: uh, needs a lot of room. Uh-huh. Yes, it okay. does. I know I had used all of my jokes up. I'm I'm trying to quickly look for some here, but uh-huh.
1: none seem to be showing up. <laughs> what? I, this is the, our studio audience is here. It's <laughs> the a, pistachio gallery. Yes. That's them. Okay. yeah, <laughs>
0: well, drive an old car. Okay. Well, I guess maybe we'll just, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Yeah. We're pretty close to the end. Anyway. It's been a great show. It has been. That was very fun talking to Tim uh-huh. and uh, a lot of great insights. And that's one thing I love talking about, uh, talking with folks about stuff like this yeah. is you really going to get, the nitty-gritty behind, well, you know, what they're thinking. and uh, So when you go to see the play or right. the movie or right. whatever, you, yep. you have a really good understanding of that. That is. It's a way to go. Yep. All right. All right, folks. You, if you missed part of this episode, stlntune.com stlintune.com, and check out some of our other stuff there. Yeah. It's may, all there, isn't it? it? It's all there. Every bit of it's there. Every bit of it's there. Okay. Have fun with that. That's all for this hour. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, when the Martians invade... There's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable, and that's especially true in Alabama. St. Louis Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Lucian Tune, co-host Mark Langston. I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine.